Hi everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's special episode, we are going to talk about the Groblog story. Finally, how we got to the belief that we have and how we felt that there's something missing that needed to be built. Enjoy. It feels like a weird mix between um, a buck 30. Yeah. Because of the light. Then we've changed the lighting just a little bit, yeah. And yeah. Um, and um, a podcast episode. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's like a little mix of both, which is, I think, a good thing because considering today it's a special episode, not because we're one day late. This is actually planned out, but we're actually having a really big week here at Growbox. A couple really big announcements. Uh, I guess first and foremost, we're actually launching a product. We are launching a beta product. Uh, yeah, a beta product. Let's let's be let's be a bit more modest here. Yeah. Yes. That's one thing we're doing. That's this one week. thing we're doing. And also, we have a big announcement as far as money goes. We have we got new funding. Yes, we're getting six million euros of funding led by Project A Ventures and uh, follow on by existing investors as well. All of that good news. Yeah. Great. Yeah, so if we sound just a little bit tired, uh, like we're not getting enough sleep lately, I think it's been a big week just to kind of get all this prep, but I think it's a it's an exciting time around here. So with all that said, we figured with this announcement, with the beta launch, we wanted to do a little bit of a special episode where we didn't want to do a big sales pitch about what Roblox is and whatnot, whatever. You'll get, a, you'll get that in other avenues here and there. But I think today we really wanted to talk about our story, why we're doing this, kind of how we think, and maybe that kind of explains yeah. what the product actually kind of is. And I think to the so the degree we kind of got this question a few times. Hey, what's the story? How did this all come together? You and Olaf and Andrew, how, how you know how how do you, do you end up doing Groblox? Um, and we were always pushing a little bit off, and we're like, hey, this is maybe not so super interesting. Let's not waste a you know waste uh, <laughs> <laughs> a podcast episode on it. Um, but we felt you know in this uh, more special. Uh, special circumstances here. We felt that maybe that's a it's a good time. It's a good time to revisit history a little bit and uh, and talk about it. Definitely. So let's uh, I guess start from the very beginning. How did this whole thing start? Yeah, I mean it's really difficult to go to like this was the day off or something like that. But I think really if you think through the uh, the the core belief that that powers Groblox to a large degree is that we that we do believe that revenue is is a science and not an art, right? Kind of mm -hmm. we do believe that uh, growing your revenue uh, can be done and should be done by applying and using uh, data-driven and scientific methods, period, right? And I think this is, this is something that sets us apart as a company, but really the, the realization when that started um, is actually something that's, I don't know, I think eight, eight years or so ago. So Olaf and I, we were, I think, sales operations manager was my title, and his title was... Um, Something, I don't know, biz dev, something, something below that. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, we talked about some of these uh, stories before here. But uh, I think one realization that we really had was um, that uh, all of this, you know, putting a sales rep on a pedestal and clapping when they hit a target or when the the quarter is being reached or all of that stuff is kind of a little bit phony. We didn't want to take the applause away or something like that. It's not about uh, celebrating folks. It's more about, okay, who's really who's really at the, the core of actually achieving this, right? And we basically kind of realized that we, 
uh, you know, that the adulation of the AE was not the right thing and the all the topics around trying to manage them and commission plans and building your financial planning based on how many E's you can hire and so forth, all of that was kind of false thinking. And in reality, it had to do with... Um, you know, the top funnel, how many opportunities you're creating, how the how many leads you're getting in. And and when you kind of drilled into some of the AEs uh, that were super successful, you either saw that they received a lot of opportunities or they received, sorry, received a lot of inbounds instead. And all of that stuff basically kind of taught us, hey, wait a minute, it's not it's not the magic of that person taking something out of thin air and creating money out of it. It's actually a production line, if you will. And they have a very important role to play, uh, but there's lots of other things around it, right? And kind of that realization, I think, was something that um, that hit us uh, fairly long ago. And at the, the time when we had it, it was not like, oh, now now we're going to go out and change the world. It was, this. Is, I, I feel this is the inception point of what we're doing here. Definitely. And I think it's really neat to talk about kind of the logic behind that kind of flow. I think we've talked about that similar logic in other episodes. Mm -hmm. But what did you end up taking away with those insights? What did that lead to? Yeah. So and I think in the in the beginning we basically uh we basically started creating those QBRs and MBRs. And those were then really great conversations because we then could talk about why things happened like they happened. Right? It wasn't, hey um Chris had a bad day and and therefore we we missed target let's just say chris was a uh, was an account executive in that sense um but it really was way more um hey you know the the leads were down or the the lead quality went in this direction why did it go in that direction well we actually kind of looked into this and there's you know fewer hand raisers versus the other ones and that's why it's kind of pulling down we probably need to separate this going forward so we basically got really good at analyzing after the fact what what went wrong uh, by applying those methods, right? Data-driven. And I, th I think sometimes, you know, calling it scientific is a little bit kind of reaching a little bit yeah. too high in that sense. Um, but generally speaking, kind of applying logic and data to um, to our funnel, right? That was kind of the that was kind of the the starting point to it. And I think where where some of that started to to change from only looking uh, only looking back to potentially looking into the future was when someone, and it's actually uh, was our CEO back then, and it's uh, one of the biggest investors in, in Growblox actually right now, he basically said, okay, guys, um, so now you have been telling me a couple of times about this, um, you know, during those QBRs about those opportunities and that they're closing at, you know, 10, 15%, and it takes 45 days or whatever. Um, and we had one day where we, uh, at that point, clo uh, opened uh, 10 or something opportunities in a day. with a Slack channel, it came through, we hit 10. And then Ulrich was reaching out and said like, okay, so does it mean that um, one of those is going to close in 45 days? And we were like, well, uh, first of all, no, because, you know, we can't guarantee that mm -hmm. it's one of those. And, you know, we can't guarantee that it's in 45 days. But yeah, actually, you're right. You know, your <laughs> point in, in a larger context is right. If you were talking about 100 opportunities... Yeah, ten of them will probably close in you know forty five days plus yeah. minus, right? And that's where that's where for us it made a little bit click that that approach that this is a um, uh, that this is a logic um, that you can then not only use to explain stuff but even to use to uh, try and explain future stuff that hasn't happened yet, so to speak. Um, that was kind of a, a click moment for us where we were like. Um, 
okay, wow, actually we can use this now to uh, do things today that, you know, will make, you know, our life in the future a little bit easier. Definitely. And so a lot of it kind of stems back to you need to have statistically in, enough coming in to really kind of judge that. So would you say kind of that was a, the first creation of the model? Well, I think the, so this is a good question. I think on the, on the model side, um, we, we didn't have that for a pretty long time in the beginning. We basically said, hey, in order to hit next, next quarter, we need to have so many opportunities and so forth. Um, and or we, we knew, oh, we're lagging behind on opportunities. And now we, you know, there's a forecast on, on the revenue side, sure. But then we could say, because we aren't producing as many opportunities as we wanted to, probably not going to hit that forecast, right? That was kind of the level of conversation that we had. Um, I think where where some of that changed for us was um, when we went through kind of a significant crisis with the company, we had to kind of rebuild the revenue engine almost from scratch. Um, I talked about this in a in another episode here before, I think kind of hitting 12 quarters in a row, something yeah. like that. Um, and um, basically kind of thinking through the whole thing and understanding what was going on, we realized we, we couldn't, first of all, we couldn't solve it in our heads anymore. Uh, and number two, also the whiteboard wasn't enough anymore. Yeah. So uh, we started um, we started building a model um, in a in a spreadsheet, obviously, mm -hmm. right? Because that's how you kind of do these things in the beginning. And um, and really, the reason for us was okay. There's a there's a bunch of change. We need to um, rejiggle the whole uh, the whole revenue engine. We need to move uh, costs and 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 people and all of that around. And how is that gonna fall fall together in the end again and in order to gain confidence in that decision because the logic was there right kind of we wanted to increase the sdr team we wanted to uh, take that money away from marketing in order to achieve that um we we understood that we actually didn't need so many account executives um so we could then reduce that team and then actually take that money put it again back into opportunity generation but now we had more opportunities and actually we needed more ease again. And it started to become like, it became a little bit more uh, complex. Um, and that's where, that's where we then felt like, okay, you know, we, we probably need a, uh, something more intelligent than, than a slide deck. Basically that was yeah. the very start by the way, uh, to help us navigate that. Right. And that then became the, I guess the first, uh, we called it revenue model. The first revenue model on on a spreadsheet, which is a, a bit of a, a dirty word around here, but I yeah. mean we it, it had to have a first meeting somewhere, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So with spreadsheets again, it does feel a little bit against the grain for what RevOps kind of believes in, right? No, no, absolutely. Um, and you know, to be to be honest, I think I um, I I do have I do have a little bit of a of a finance past and FP&A past <laughs> that. I usually don't want to talk about that much, which which basically means that sometimes I'm uh, I'm okay, so I feel okay in an Excel spreadsheet, right? Mm -hmm. That was actually never the problem. Um, I think the uh, I think what what really kind of transpired when when starting to work through the spreadsheet, and you know, I think um, lots of people know all the kind of little issues with spreadsheets, but the the first thing for us was actually to figure out. Um, figure out the model itself, right? How is that thing actually going to work together? Mm -hmm. um, I think we, we talked about this also here on the show. I forgot kind of the name of the episode, but basically kind of building out the first crude version of that model, right? And 
And you kind of encounter a couple of funny things like what what conversion rate calculation should you be using and uh, how you know how do you how do you model your sales cycles should it just be 45 days or two months or you know three months or how, how do you kind of do this um and what we actually had to do is we had to um go back use some you know old data uh try to model based on that data to then predict a little bit still you know past data but you know more recent data in order then to kind of get to a conclusion where we're like hey the model is actually starting to be really nicely predictive of the next quarter mm -hmm. um and to be honest it took us it took us quite some time to kind of get this right right there was no one out there that explained how that would actually need to work um and also it's it's a little bit of a reinventing the wheel we found right uh, obviously eventually we saw hey other people had similar ideas and um and you know came to similar conclusions but basically kind of creating that from scratch and and then when you have a fresh model like this um basing a lot of big decisions on it it felt a bit scary in in, in the end to be honest mm -hmm. um but you know after two or three quarters we basically kind of figured out how the whole thing really worked um and got increasingly so better at using it and then you know stronger and stronger kind of going forward right but it was it was not an um uh it wasn't an easy birth if, if if you will right yeah definitely especially if you're considering building out an entire model like this on a spreadsheet now you also have to think about access making sure everyone has that you know making sure you're updating it uh and then after that you're also thinking about well how do you get as granular as possible because yeah. eventually a spreadsheet will fail right no, so I mean, so the the access side is actually pretty interesting. So so obviously, I mean, yes, we had some salaries in there, but it wasn't, you know, it's SDI and E salaries. It wasn't crazy confidential. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we gave access to everyone, but everyone on the management team who wanted access got that. But that was that was not the problem. You know, the 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 access management wasn't the problem. The problem was that. Um, accessibility was the problem, right? Mm. Um, which basically means you have a couple of people in the organization that are literate in Excel or spreadsheets and, and so forth and kind of understand this whole formula thing and understand where stuff is actually coming from. Um, but in the end, if you really want to, if you really want to have something to bring all the brains in your go-to-market engine uh, around the table into this model and really contribute, um, it's it's gonna be it, it was pretty difficult for us because obviously uh, and I love my 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 executive team that was kind of working you know around me and and, and doing really the the uh, all the hard work. Um, you know the I I couldn't get VP sales or VP marketing or VP CS into the spreadsheet and have them immerse themselves in it. That that mm -hmm. was that was just not a thing. Um, they were like, hey, it's a lot of it's a lot of numbers in here. It's really cool, Tony. Just you know what's how many opportunities do I need to hit? You know? yeah. <laughs> just tell like, me what I need just, to know so I can get Just tell me away. that, right? So basically, there was a lot of arbitrage that needed to happen on the on on my side, on the revenue operations side, um, and we were completely missing out on on these guys inside and these ladies inside, right? Mm -hmm. So that was pretty shitty. Um, and then obviously you have this, and I think you mentioned it just before. You have this typical. Um, granularity we call it granularity now but it's really level of detail that you can go into with an excel spreadsheet right it's mm -hmm. two-dimensional and it's that's 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 your constraint um and to be honest i didn't really feel it that much when we were uh, at falcon mm -hmm. uh falcon was really nicely straightforward we had 
three or four different regions that were different. Mm -hmm. um, and in each of these different regions, we had inbound and outbound. That was it. That was the model. And um, that worked out fantastically. Um, and it scaled really nicely, right? So we basically had uh, everywhere we, we were attacking the same segment, everywhere we kind of had the same inbound mix and so forth. So all of that was pretty great. But when I then moved on to Plan A, another team here in Copenhagen, um, the, the the engine was a little bit more complex than that, actually. The engine really was not only um, very much more diverse on the, on the inbound side, but the inbound mix was completely different per uh, market that they were operating in. And then on top of that, they also uh, basically both had super SMB and had a mid-market motion. Now, now, kind of, I realize, okay, I'm talking three different dimensions here now, um, and I, you know, don't want to do the math here, but it was pretty sizable. And then the problem is that you end up with a lot of uh, zeros or no data in some of those things, which that didn't work. Um, so I ended up building, I ended up building two models at the same time, one that was taking uh, inbound, so the channels and the regions into account. And the other one was taking the segments and the regions to account. And I was like, in my theoretical world, I was like, hey, that should kind of work out, right? It never it never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so those, those two things never were really kind of helping me. And then in the end, I had to kind of choose one. And that, that didn't kind of tell me the whole truth. And, and that really was, you know, I, I kind of realized that theoretically, this stuff should actually kind of work out. Mm -hmm. Um but it just couldn't get it to where it needs to be on the on the on the spreadsheet side. So with that said, and some of the complexities that the spreadsheet eventually will kind of face, why did you stick with spreadsheets? Why didn't you go with some other software tool? I mean, BI exists, for yeah. example. No, I mean we had um, uh, we had pretty awesome. So on, so the the way we structured it in Falcon is uh, we had a BI team uh, in revenue operations. Um, both of the BI guys that we had at Falcon now work here in Groblox as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it feels like a very small family sometimes. Um, and, um, and and basically, kind of that was the first idea, actually. Sure, it's prove it out in spreadsheet, and then let's let's push it into uh, let's push it into BI and try and figure it out there. Um, we we never really actually succeeded in fully doing it. So there there are a couple of things that I now know are just simple blockers for that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. One thing, you know, when you do so BI is really great at documenting the past up until today. They're like really, really great at that. Um but even if you wanna do trend lines, it gets already a little bit and by the way, we had a fantastic setup. We had uh Looker, we had five trend, we had, you know, the whole thing. And that was in, I think, 2016, 2017. So Looker was still not a big company back then. So kind of we were betting on them. Uh, so all of that was pretty great. Um, but, you know, even trend lines was difficult actually to kind of figure out sometimes. Um, and and then on top of that, trend lines is one thing, but you really want to have targets. So where did we then, you know, have all of those targets? Well, we had to write them into a spreadsheet to then use as a source through Fivetran to kind of ingest that then to uh, <laughs> to Looker, <laughs> and then Looker then could display it. Um, but the problem was that those targets basically kind of again lived in a spreadsheet. They were just a you know a bunch of numbers in a in a um, you know in a column, um, and they were basically kind of hard coded to to a degree there. And then the really the real issue that 
you know, didn't necessarily kill it for me, but made it a little bit less useful was, um, you know, sometimes you could see your opportunities were veering off and you had a, a target line and you had a trend line and the trend line was starting to show a bigger and bigger gap between those two things, right? And it was like, okay, cool. Now we know something is off. Let's take action to to fix it. Um, what What BI just couldn't do was to say, uh, okay, now let me inform the revenue trend line um, that there aren't enough opportunities coming in. So the trend line actually needs to kind of start going down a little bit. But that that revenue trend line was still perfectly on track. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, everything is going great. We're closing business. You know, nothing to worry about, Tony. No alarm bells ringing whatsoever. And uh, basically, enough, it took then two or three months until those opportunities that didn't happen today then resulted in uh, revenue that didn't happen then, right? And it's like, you know, we were good and we kind of saw the opportunities filling already, but that logical link between those two things just wasn't there, right? And and obviously, so this is kind of, in, uh, you know, one of those examples, but it's basically kind of goes across the board kind of, hey, yeah. we, um, we had an AE leave, you know, and then, so what does that mean now? Uh, do we have enough or too much quota? Where, where where do we have that you know problem? Or you know should we hire two or three instead? And and it was really difficult um, to try and you know build this and squeeze this into a BI setup. And, and so what about on on the planning tools side? Uh, yeah. How how did BI and other things that you're working with? How did that kind of work? So I mean we we explored the BI piece like in depth and we built some pieces of it. Um, and it's great to have. You know, sometimes people call it revenue BI and have it there and, you know, make sure that it kind of works out. Um, we then explored some of the the planning tools around. And back then, it was like an Anna plan and depth mm-hmm. of planning and stuff like that. And first of all, it was really difficult to get a call with them because we were like, actually, we were called commercial operations. <laughs> 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 and they were like, Hey, we only talk to CFOs. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there, w- there was a little bit of that thing that was a little bit difficult to kind of get right. Um, and then it took some coaxing to obviously have this uh, call where you're being qualified, whether or not you're okay to have another call with them. And then you have like a another demo. And then only afterwards they bring in the solution engineer that actually knows how this thing works. Uh, because the AE was like, yeah, no, yeah, we can do this, and there's no problem. And <laughs> um, and then then we had the the conversation with the solution engineer, and we were basically like, uh, you know, I had a couple of things back and forth, and some of that worked out. And I then basically kind of at some point asked, okay, so our average sales cycle is 45 days, uh, but it's really a distribution. Some of these deals close 10 days, some of those deals close 90 days, but the fat middle is really in the uh, is is around 45. Um. So how do you um, how do you kind of build this into your planning tool? And the answer was, well, forty five. You said, um, yeah, we just kind of converted in the second month. That's that's how we're going to approach it. And I was like, okay, okay, I get that. You know, maybe that's kind of the simplified version here, but it's just not right. And yeah. it's also uh, once you once you overlay this with a couple of different things, it's starting to be fundamentally not right and fundamentally off. Right. So for me, it was basically a um, there were a couple of other things and they're also pretty expensive and yada, yada. But this was one of those things where it just broke for me. And I was like, um, okay, I, I don't think I don't think this planning tool approach is, is, is maybe the right one here. Definitely. So now that you recognize that the, the that planning approach didn't actually work, is that how you kind of start combining things into Growbox? 
Um, no. <laughs> okay, easy question. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, this was uh, again, right? This was four, five, six years ago. Um, I've been jumping in the timeline here a little bit to yeah. kind of give some examples. Um, but no, I mean, we were. Um, we, we didn't have the oh, let's let's build a company uh, hat on. Uh, we weren't thinking about this at all. We were pretty busy trying to make the companies work that we were a part of. Um, we we're pretty busy, um, you know, trying trying to get our next promotion and uh, mm -hmm. let's go to sea level and uh, and uh, you know let's kind of get this exit done and uh, let's kind of find the next follow on gig and so forth. We were kind of pretty busy with that, um, and the I think, and that's why it's so funny. Once you kind of talk through it and you actually realize all the th the little things that happened in the past. Um, it took us until, um, I think late 2020, early 2021 to realize that, um, first of all, let's, let's do something together. So this was really initially it was Olafur and myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I was currently at that point was working uh, for plan day and we were working on the exit to zero. So kind of that was starting to become pretty clear to me. Um, pretty clear in the sense of that I would be leaving that organization because I joined them because of the Falcon exit and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be part of that, that you know, post-exit kind of world. Um, and Olafur and Templify had kind of a similar thing going on, not really an exit, but more of a shift to the US. And he was like, as COO, you need to be, you know, at the center of gravity, which was clearly going to be New York. Um, and he just didn't want to, not for that opportunity, uh, go there, right? So we both had kind of a, an off-ramp uh, that was starting to to become clear to us. And um, um, and then we basically had, you know, we had a couple of uh, lunches every week uh, and so forth. And we were basically kind of, hey, this is kind of a, a stars-aligning moment. So it would be stupid not to take it. Mm -hmm. yeah? So that was, that was the start, really. Um, but at that point, we weren't... We were really far from, oh, and it's going to be revenue planning execution and the name is going to be Groblox <laughs> and it's going to be like this and it's going to be like that. This was really far away from that. We basically just had the motivation saying like, hey, we will we will uh, regret if we don't do it ever. Uh, when better than now? Because it's very rare that both of those uh, careers kind of come to a little bit of a, of a natural break at the same time. Um, and then we were throwing around a bunch of different ideas we had. Uh, we wanted to do something in the rental consumer space. Mm -hmm. We wanted to do something, you know, in, in the GDPR and compliance space. Oh, riveting. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. By the way, this was the reason why we stopped this compliance thing. We were basically kind of asking ourselves, okay, for the next 10 years, do we want to talk about compliance? And we basically, <laughs> <laughs> we basically immediately said no, and that was that killed the idea. It probably would have been a great company, by the way, but um, but not for us in that sense. <laughs> but this whole, um, you know, uh, the approach to revenue and the approach to planning and kind of marrying those two things and really that pain that we had uh, as, as CROs and COs of those companies um, was always there. Was always you know one slide deck. Yeah, you know we had. We worked on a couple of different slide decks to kind of work through this idea. Uh, we spent a lot of time in Olofu's living room with a whiteboard. By the way, the whiteboard was the first um, official employee of this organization, <laughs> just to be very clear. Um, and we kind of, you know, uh, threw around some ideas and had some wine and all of that. And um, then we kind of started 
uh, pitching some of those ideas to Ulrich, uh, who then also became an investor, and you know he was uh, both of our boss uh, in, in Falcon. Um, and you know when we when we presented this, uh, I'm not even sure what we kind of called it. Um, Revenue engineering or something like that. I think we kind of called it. Uh, when we kind of you know presented this idea, he was just laughing out loud and basically said like, "Well, guys, I mean, this couldn't be more uh, bang on to 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 the two of you," um, <laughs> which which basically was a compliment to a degree, right? Because it's um, uh, you know having this founder problem fit that's like a really really important thing, and I think we very much nailed it in that sense, right? And um, we more and more discarded some of the other stuff and then was basically, hey, that's that's the thing we're gunning for and that's the thing we're kind of now uh, executing. Okay. And, and before we start kind of wrapping up, I guess I want to just have a, a quick recap because I think most of this episode is talking about, yes, the formation of this company and whatnot, but a, a big portion of it is talking about how we kind of see revenue, right? You, you began this whole episode talking about revenue is a science, not an art, and there, that there is a lot of logic to this whole funnel and not only are we, i think we're building a a lot of people that believe in it that you personally pay on the payroll but i think we're seeing a lot of that within the revops community as well mm. no absolutely and i think it's it's pretty exciting to um to have this worldview that's a little bit not shared by everyone that's kind of maybe a little bit of a difficult thing sometimes but it's also an exciting thing um and i think some of that newness which is exciting, also sometimes results in no one else has built something about it or mm -hmm. around it, which kind of we are changing and so forth. And um, uh, I think it's um, it's really exciting time to kind of go through all of that stuff. And it's, you know, in connection to that, it's also wonderful to uh, pick up 6 million to really make sure that we uh, get through this uh, through this process. And, and basically, by the way, this 6 million is, I think, almost exclusively dedicated to a product. Yeah. We're not getting a new marketing budget, I'll tell you that much. We're not going to get a new, you know, we, we, we can't afford another microphone. <laughs> um, so it's basically, um, we believe in building an absolutely fantastic product that people uh, fall in love with. Uh, once that is done, we can think a little bit more about the go-to-market and kind of spending some more dollars there. But until then, it's basically, um, you know, very efficient CAC payback. Let's just say it like that. Yes. <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now, our beta is released now as we speak mm -hmm. uh if you want to know a little bit more we do have a demo video available as well on our website on our youtube and whatnot so you can actually see the product in action yeah have a take a look at it there and apologies for the little bit like commercial feel of the of the of the episode here but really it's um that has been the story right and it's yeah. kind of you know yeah definitely and i think everyone that's been listening to at least as many episodes as possible here i think bits and pieces of the story have kind of been around and I think it was really important to kind of bring out the fact that like there is a reason we are making this product it's it's not just because we saw a gap in the market it's because we actually see an actual need that people aren't addressing yeah all right well thanks again Tony for this special episode thanks a bunch uh, Bart and uh, <laughs> have, a, <laughs> have a good time yeah thanks. you too all right see you guys bye